You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. So often, after we watch an NFL game, we try to find a hot takeaway. And that hot takeaway may apply to one team or the other. It may apply to the winner. It may apply to the loser. But sometimes, once in a blue moon, there's a takeaway from a game that applies to the entire NFL. And that's what happened last night. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. I'm Jason Fitz, flying solo. You know the result. The Dolphins defeated the Ravens 22-10 to on Thursday night football. And by now, you know the biggest story around that result. It's somehow, even through a win, the Dolphins are absolutely being destroyed for their handling of the quarterback position. Remember, Tua Tungvaloa broke a bone in his finger. As a result, he was or wasn't healthy enough to play. So he didn't play in the beginning. But Jacoby Brissett, the backup quarterback that was forced into action, injured his knee. In the process of that happening, Tua gets on the field. Then it looks like Jacoby might get back out. And the coaches say, nope. Now, Tua, after the game, even addressed that the coaches were trying to save him from himself, right? So all of it speaks to lack of direction. And today, we've spent a lot of time talking about Brian Flores, the coach of the Dolphins, and what the Dolphins are doing, particularly at the quarterback position. But what about the entire league and how we look at certain things? See, hear me out. We are so quarterback obsessed right now. You guys know I cover college football all the time. We're so quarterback obsessed that we are desperately pleading for somebody at Pitt, Kenny Pickett, to become the Heisman Trophy winner. We're desperately pleading for a quarterback to be the top pick in the draft because it's a good story. You watch first take all day. What do they talk about? Quarterbacks. What does Get Up talk about every day? Quarterbacks. What do we talk about on ESPN Radio all day? quarterbacks but at some point shouldn't we start talking about the structure around those quarterbacks shouldn't we start talking about the organizations and the definitive plan that they have because that's where the Dolphins have failed and that's where so many teams fail you hear us say all the time well if you don't have a quarterback you don't have a chance what if that's wrong what if it's actually if your organization doesn't have a plan at the quarterback position you don't stand a chance See, because a plan matters. A business plan matters to me in life. You know, you guys know my past as a musician, right? I talk to music kids all the time about how to make it in the music business. I don't know if I really know that, but I know I had a little success, right? So one of the things I tell everybody is write a business plan. As a musician, you're an entrepreneur, and it's your job as an entrepreneur to market your own business. And as you market your own business, you're going to have opportunities that fly outside of the business plan. And you might be tempted to take them because most of the time you're broke and you need the work. But in my experience... Anytime you fly outside the business plan, all it does is set you back. Isn't that the same when you start talking about NFL teams? I mean, think about what the Dolphins have done here. They drafted a quarterback at five overall that had an injury that made it impossible for him to be worked out. But they felt comfortable with where he was going to be, knowing he might need a full redshirt year. Then before we even get halfway through a season, he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. He might be the guy. He might not be the guy. We hear the constant rumors about what's going on. Why? They didn't have a definitive plan because when you have a definitive plan, nothing will take you off of it. You have to commit to that plan. My God, with the quarterback specifically, we look at Tua and we're like, well, Tua, is he the problem? Is he the solution? What about everything else around him? See, we presume that you can build this mansion of playoff football success without ever asking the question of if somebody put a cement slab down first. You got to have a foundation. You go out and you build this massive, beautiful house. 
got the chandelier, you got the the spiral staircase, got everything you could possibly want. You got like the smart lights you can walk in and be like, hey, smart speakers, turn all of my light bulbs on. Like you feel like you're a baller, you feel like a bougie. In that moment, that's a team with the quarterback. You walk into your house and you feel comfortable. You got your quarterback, you feel good. You walk in, everything's working, right? Now, there are some times that you think you have your quarterback, you think the smart bulbs are working, and then all of a sudden you come in one day and you say, hey, smart speakers, and nothing happens. Then you get really mad. Don't tell me you haven't been there. If you've ever tried the light bulb thing, you'll lose hours of your life trying to get them reconnected so that you can not flip a switch. I've done it. I'm not proud of it. I've done it. But that's what we all do with our quarterback. Like Browns fans, your light worked. Baker's the best of all time. Then your lights didn't work. These things are trash. They don't work at all. Then they work again. See, I told you, honey, I could get all of this to work. Like That's real. But at some point, if you've built all of this beautiful house, but you forgot to lay a foundation, you forgot to have a blueprint, you forgot to have a map on what you're trying to do, that house is eventually either going to fall down or get lost. That's what so many NFL teams are. They're lost. I mean, this becomes part of the wrong, uh, let's, let's say this, the false narrative around certain quarterbacks. Not even because I work with Sarah Spain all the time, but think about what Sarah's had to deal with every time somebody says, oh, the Bears could have taken Deshaun Watson. So let me get this straight. The same organization that you think is ruining Justin Fields wouldn't have ruined Deshaun. No, they would have gotten that right. I don't know where the old man voice came from, by the way. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Felt good about it, though. I mean, we look at Justin Herbert. Oh, Justin Herbert's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's so good. Sweet. He's playing with the Chargers with a lot of talent. Like, does that not matter to anybody? Daniel Jones is trash. Really? He plays for a trash organization that has no idea how they're going to develop around him. Do these things not matter? Like, I get it. You want your best quarterbacks to be like the perfect ingredient. Y'all know I watch too much Chopped, right? Like Spain and Fitz, by the way, Jason Fitz, fine solo. Going all over the place with the analogies tonight. You can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776-ESPN Nation. Presented by Dr. Pepper. College football is heating up. Fans are hyped. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. So fans get like all up in arms about the quarterback position, where it's going, where it's going to be, how it's going to look for them, right? Without thinking of any of the other variables that come into play in this entire process. And sometimes when you're cooking, you'll go in and you'll say, you know what? I've got fresh basil. I like guys like, uh, guys, if you're trying to cook for a date night, here's a, a, a tip for you. Go to the produce aisle. Yes, they exist. And get fresh uh, herbs. That's all you got to do. You get a little bit of fresh basil. You throw it on top of something at the end. Awesome. You have just elevated your dish. That's what we want the perfect quarterback to do. Unfortunately, most quarterbacks are dried basil. It takes a lot more of it. It's okay. It makes the dish a little better maybe, but it's not really elevating everything. Right? Like it's not there for you. But ultimately, if you have the best basil you've ever had in the world and you put it in a dish that isn't ready for it, it's not going to taste good. I bought a pomegranate the other day. Pomegranate? Not the easiest thing to cut open. Had to watch several YouTube videos on how to crack open a pomegranate. The guys behind the glass are looking at me like, where are you going with this? Trust me. All right. Pomegranate is a very particular taste. And if you add pomegranate to the right thing, it's spectacular. I thought I could get swanky and make a pomegranate sauce and put it on the salmon I was making. It was not good. All right. It's not because the pomegranate wasn't good. It's not because the salmon wasn't good. It's because the chef didn't have a plan. 
That's what happens to NFL teams all. See how I brought that back? Uh Uh-huh. That's what happens to NFL teams everywhere. They come in and they fall in love with an ingredient. They draft that ingredient and they say, we're going to get it figured out. The lesson to learn from Miami isn't how they're handling the quarterback today. The lesson to learn from Miami is that every single stinking person in that building wasn't on the same page from day one about how they were going to make that dish. And without that, without that, doesn't matter what games they win. We'll continue to try and ask the question of where things have gone wrong for the Dolphins. That's the sort of thing that gets coaches fired. That's the sort of thing that leads to players not having success. Not having a master plan is far worse than anything we've been talking about when it comes to how quarterbacks perform in the NFL. All right, coming up, why the 19th-ranked team in the nation could be the most important team in deciding who makes the college football playoff. I'll explain it, I promise. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Friday edition of Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app at Sirius XM Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo tonight, ESPN Radio. It's presented by Progressive Insurance. And all of our guests are going to appear on the uh, what, what on the Goodyear Hotline. Good that I can read, guys. You know it's been a, it's been a day. We're starting off strong here. Uh, you guys know I like to bring in some expertise when it comes to all things college football. I love working in the space, and some of the people that I love to follow, I love uh, bringing on the show because it gives us the opportunity to get some of their insight on it. So we are going to do that now as we'll head over to the Goodyear Hotline to get some rankings reaction. Rankings reaction brought to you by Wendy's right now. Wendy's, try their brand new fries for yourself with fries that are guaranteed to be hot and crispy. And he changed the screen so now i can't see what's going on here cam help me out there we go or we'll place them at participating u.s wendy's this is the joy of live radio i'm just breaking down the fourth wall let's get to the goodyear hotline before i screw anything else up brett mcburphy joins us there from the action network brett always appreciate your time always appreciate your insight and uh, love the the college football mindset that you have so i respect the hell out of your thoughts before we get to anything this weekend i uh, did you see michigan michigan state coming i didn't did you see it coming Actually, no. I I tweeted uh, as I have the last two weeks, basically saying, "Here's my here's my guess on how I think the committee will rank the teams." Uh, the first week I did, uh, I got five out of six in the right order. I only did six. The second week I did the top ten. I had one through three right. I had eight, nine, and ten right. But excuse me, I had one through four correct. But I did have Cincinnati, Michigan, and Michigan State wrong. I thought Michigan State would be five, Michigan would be six, and Cincinnati would be seven. And the committee went with Cincinnati above Michigan and Michigan State, which actually I almost have as much problem about that as I do Michigan being ahead of Michigan State. But, yeah, no way did I see Michigan State being behind Michigan because when you look at their resumes, and (laughs) even – Forget about the fact that Michigan State won the head-to-head. Basically, the resumes are identical: three and one against teams with winning records. They're both one and one against ranked opponents. They both have one loss, so they're basically even teams. So, what's the deciding factor? How about the head-to-head? So, yeah, that caught me off guard that they have Michigan in front of Michigan State. Now, Michigan is going to go on and take Penn State on this weekend. Penn State ranked by the AP, not by the College Football Committee. It's only significant because, as we've been saying all day on college football coverage, Jim Harbaugh is 2-9 and nine on the road against ranked opponents uh, since he came to Michigan. Uh, do you see any way that Penn State has a favorable matchup here against Michigan? Well, basically, you know, what you just said about Harbaugh's history against ranked opponents, I, I think, you know, it's it's going to be 
is this a different Michigan team? I, I don't know. At times, I think it is. Uh, you know, this this is at Penn State. Penn State, I think, put up more of a fight than people expected against Ohio State. It's just, man, I you know, I just until Harbaugh proves to me that this is not going to be the same thing that we've seen the past four or five years under him. And that means beating ranked teams. That means being competitive against Ohio State. I've got to pick against him, and I think I would probably go with Penn State. The the bad news for Michigan, not the bad news, but what's challenging for Michigan in this whole thing regarding to playoff is if Michigan beats Penn State, they really don't get any credit for it because, like you said, the committee has not ranked Penn State. So if Michigan beats them, they're not going to suddenly rank Penn State. If Penn State beats Michigan, then, hey, great, Penn State gets ranked but Michigan falls out of the running for any playoff contention. So it's not necessarily like the game doesn't count as far as their playoff resume, but the game doesn't count for their playoff resume because they will get no credit from the committee for beating Penn State, although I guess maybe they'll keep them ahead of Michigan State. We're talking to Brett McMurphy from the Action Network College Football Insider. Purdue, I, I didn't think they would do it against Michigan State. Uh, so, you know, I, I was stunned by Michigan State's inability to stop Bell. Uh, Ohio State now gets this Purdue team that has pulled off the impossible seemingly a couple of times this year. And any chance in your mind that Purdue can do it again? I don't think so. I think this is a really tough spot for Purdue. You're coming off, you know, a huge, huge win. Obviously, a tremendous job by Jeff Brom. But I, I don't think Ohio State certainly is not going to overlook Purdue. And it, it's hard to get have your A-plus game two weeks in a row. I think Ohio State's the, clearly the better team. I think the spread's almost three touchdowns. Excuse me. So I don't, see a, I don't see any flat spot for Ohio State. I think that would be the best chance for Purdue. But, yeah, they'll be on, they'll be on full alert here. I just think they're the better team. They're better in all phases of the game. They can shut down David Bell, you know, which Michigan State couldn't do. Um, I think I think Ohio State will probably win pretty comfortably. I'm I'm watching Cincinnati right now. They're beating USF uh, twenty-one to seven. They're up by fourteen. You said earlier you didn't like their rankings. Uh, simple question: Are they one of the four best teams in the country to you? No, they're not. And everyone basically wants to give Cincinnati. Not everyone. A lot of people want to give Cincinnati credit for the past seven years. What happened with the group of five? What happened with Cincinnati last year? Well, what about this year's Cincinnati team? If you just fell out of the sky and landed on earth in August and you didn't know about all this past history with the group five, you look at Cincinnati's resume. They have beat exactly two teams with a winning record. One of them was Notre Dame. Give them credit for that. The remaining five or six teams on their schedule are, have currently have losing records right now. That's not a top four resume, and that's not a top four team. When all the scrutiny they've been under the past few weeks, they go down to the final play against a Tulsa team that has two or three wins. They go down to the final minute against a Navy team with two or three wins. That, to me, is not a top four team. I, th- I don't think – I know where the committee has them now at number five. I think when we get to December when it really matters, if Cincinnati is compared or contrasted or matched up against a – one last team from the SEC, Georgia or Alabama, they will lose that. They will lose that battle if they're matched up against a one-loss Ohio State, a one-loss Michigan, a one-loss Michigan State. I know all of those things can't happen in the Big Ten. Any of those three teams, they will lose that battle. If they're 
ranked compared with an undefeated Oklahoma team that's behind them right now, they will lose that battle because Oklahoma will have two, maybe three more wins against ranked opponents, which is two or three more than they currently have. Or if Oregon runs the table, 12-1 and Oregon, they are not getting in above Oregon. They need as many two-loss teams as possible. And don't shoot the messenger, but if you just take everyone's perceptions and biases out of it and just ask Vegas, who does the power ratings, Cincinnati's like the 10th or 11th best team right now in the power rating. That means they rate anywhere from 9 to 10 teams better than Cincinnati. They'd be a double-digit underdog against Georgia, Alabama, at least a touchdown underdog against Ohio State. I don't hate Cincinnati. I don't hate the group of five, but I just can't get sucked into this. Well, let's make up for all this stuff that's happened in the past. They deserve to be in there if they went undefeated. What about UTSA? The only difference between UTSA and Cincinnati is UTSA doesn't have a, a win against Notre Dame, but the resumes are very similar. And the thing that I guess what I really realized all of this noise, I guess, for Cincinnati, and I guess support for Cincinnati, is early in the year when BYU was undefeated with wins against Utah and Arizona State, the narrative was if Cincinnati runs a table, they need to be in the playoff. BYU, they've lost their only conversation. But at that point, BYU runs a table. They would have had seven wins against Power 5 opponents. They would have played a schedule that was three times tougher than Cincinnati's. But nobody was talking about BYU. Why? Because everyone's living off of last year's Cincinnati, which, by the way, according to Vegas, would be a six-point favorite over this year's Cincinnati team. It's brilliantly said by you. Follow him on Twitter at Brett underscore McMurphy. Brett, always appreciate your time, my friend. Thanks for the insight. Thank you. Brett brought to you by Goodyear. With you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. Okay, I went to 13 experts at ESPN, and I decided what would happen if I asked experts around the NFL to apply the college football logic to the NFL. I'll give you their answers next with the first ever NFL playoff committee. We'll do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Y'all, I'm not going to lie. Silk Sonic last night, last night or this morning, they put out some baby-making music. Do with that as you choose on a Friday. But to steal the phrase I always steal from Mike, some hibbity-dibbity will be done to Silk Sonic. I'm just saying... Bruno Mars is a delight. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Jason Fitz, you can tell it's been a long day. I'm totally off the rails. ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, with insurance for cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and commercial vehicles at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. Now, just in sec- just a second, I'm going to get into a brand new thing that I've really been wanting to do that I'm excited that involved a bunch of expertise. But first, I want to get Troy the opportunity to call in. When you when you want to hang out with us on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, we let that happen. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Earlier, I was talking about the foundation or the lack thereof for Miami. So, Troy, you've been hanging on. I appreciate it, brother. What do you got? What's your take? Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call tonight. Yeah, man. Um, I think the, the foundation thing for the quarterback is is a. It, I think that's a no brainer. And I'm a Green Bay Packers fan. I've been blessed to grow up watching Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. I feel very confident that Aaron Rodgers would not be the guy he is today if he was thrust into the league on year on, right away out of the rookie season. They have to go in and play those NFL defenses. It's too complex. That year of sitting, I think, was at those three years of sitting for him. I think were vital to his development, and we've seen so, so many quarterbacks fail by being thrust in too early. I think he reaps the benefits 
of being able to sit and observe and come in and play when he was ready, um, not when he was just forced to go in there because things were going awry and somebody wanted to try to save their job. Yeah, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. You're right. And by the way, organizationally, think about everything that went. I talked earlier about having to have a business plan with the way you approach a quarterback. Well, the Packers had that, right? They drafted Aaron Rodgers. They knew when it was time to cut bait on Brett Favre. And in fact, like it or not, love it or hate it, they also drafted Jordan Love. Like there are there are going to be spots where you got to look at it and say, may make everybody uncomfortable, but this is our business plan. And at some point, organizationally, you have to commit all the way into it. I would argue that part of the reason everything feels hairy with the Packers is that they got away from that a little bit. Like, you made the plan. You made the plan known the minute you drafted Jordan Love. Now you stick to your plan. The Dolphins got to stick to a plan. The Jets got to stick to a plan. You got to have a plan and give it the opportunity to work. You know that you would not go to a restaurant if that restaurant changed what they're serving every three months because they thought maybe now people would like this better. Like, it doesn't work that way. You write a business plan, you get a bank loan, you open a restaurant, you follow that plan all the way down to the very end. That's what teams need to do. Follow it like it's a business. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Jason Fitz flying solo. And you guys can chime in. You're going to want to chime in on this because I've been wanting to do this for a long time. This is what I'm going to call the NFL Playoff Committee. Now, there's a couple of purposes to this exercise. Number one, I think you guys will get fired up about your team, and I like it when you're fired up. Number two, I think we short sell how difficult it is to do what the playoff committee does in college football. So for a second, we're going to talk about the committee, but not around the college football landscape, but instead around the NFL. Here's what I did. I went to an array of experts. Now, immediately, I can hear some of you rolling your eyes all the way through the microphone. I went to people here that are on our top NFL shows. I went to people here that are on our top radio shows. I went to NFL insiders. I went to former players. I even had one former NFL coach chime in. So I've had, it doesn't work for ESPN, thank you very much. And this is what I told everybody. I want you to use the same criteria that everybody else uses in college football to rank your top six NFL teams. Very simple. So you can use strength of schedule. You can use the resume. You can use, hey, this team got blown out by a bad team. You can go up and down the board. You can use all of the same metrics that 13 people are using to try and compare Ohio State to Michigan, to Michigan State, to Oklahoma. Those same metrics, but we're going to use it instead in the NFL. Now, from that, I had to give a scoring system because I didn't want to get all 13. Like, let's face it, these are busy people. They're not going to get on a Zoom call with me for three hours and yell at each other. So everybody sent me their top six. What I did then is I established a point value. This is very simple. You can follow this. If you got the first overall vote from somebody, you get six points. Second, you get five points. Three, you get four points, so on and so forth. So the lower you are, the less points you get. So if you took, uh, for example, the Raiders as your sixth place team, nobody did. Uh, you would, the Raiders would get one point. If you took the Raiders as your first place team, nobody did, the Raiders would get six points. We all follow across here. So I got from all of these people a very similar list in the names of the teams, but a very dissimilar list in the process of where they were ranked. I will tell you first, two teams that were in the others receiving votes category. They didn't make the top six, but they got at least a vote, and I want to give them some love. The Buffalo Bills got one vote from one person as the sixth-place team. Nobody else put him in there. One vote. The Baltimore Ravens. Now, in fairness, if I had done this yesterday, I think the Ravens would have looked, looked a little different. But we all know that I'm not the best at planning things out ahead. Like, just ask Sarah. So I did it today. So I'm sure this plays into it. But the Ravens got one vote. 
one fifth place vote. So the Ravens got a total of two points. So those are your others receiving votes. All right. At sixth place, not in your top, at sixth place. So they didn't make the top four. The Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys coming in at six. That surprised me a little bit. I thought the Cowboys might be higher than that. I really, I, I really did. But I wasn't as surprised by that as I was by the recency that comes, and I'm not going to say bias because these guys all did me a favor, for the Rams. The Rams came in at fifth place. Again, that surprises me. Now, I should mention Dallas was as high as number one on one of these lists. So for Dallas to come in at sixth when they got six points for being number one on one voter's list, man, to me that was staggering. So now you know. You have Dallas at six. You have the Rams at five. All right? So what's the rest of it look like? We'll go in the order the way they do it in the college football playoffs when they reveal them. Number one, the Arizona Cardinals. That should surprise nobody. Number one, the Arizona Cardinals by an overwhelming margin. Number one, the Arizona Cardinals, and it wasn't even close. In fact, there were only a couple of people that didn't have Arizona number one. The lowest they were in anybody's ranking was number three, which I thought was low. But everybody else had them either one or two. Okay, so the Arizona Cardinals, one or two. Number two on your rankings, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come in on this. In every ranking, they were one or two, except for one ranking from one one mind I really respect the hell out of. Had the Bucs at five. At five. Kind of crazy to me. So the Bucs come in at two. At number three, the Green Bay Packers. The Packers come in at number three. They were not at the top of anybody's list. The highest they were in anybody's list was number two. So that tells you that the Packers were kind of consistent. On almost every list, the Packers were the third best team. And the fourth best team in the NFL right now, according to the college football or the NFL playoff committee, I'm so used to saying the others, the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans finish at four. Now, some people had them as high as number two, and some people didn't have them on their list at all. So it speaks to a couple of things. Again, this is this is from 13 different people. Some of them work for ESPN. Some of them do not. Some are ESPN NFL insiders. Some work on ESPN NFL shows. Some are radio hosts. One former NFL coach that does not work for us. And I went to all of them and said, use the same criteria. What do we have? And in uh, the, the proper order for every countdown, number six, Cowboys, number five, Rams, number four, Titans, number three, Packers, number two, Bucks, number one, Cardinals. I'll first start with the guys behind the glass. Cam, any problem with this? We feel good about it? No, I feel pretty good about it. I think the Rams should be slightly higher. Um, I know they had a rough night the other night, but I do believe they're probably the class of the NFC along with the Cardinals, Bucks, and Packers. I would put them above the Titans even though they just lost to them. So, so I think the Titans are the interesting part of this conversation. You guys can chime in. At Spain and Only Fitz, AFC team. Uh, yeah, the, the Titans, the only. you're right, the only AFC team that makes the top four. And I'm trying to look back here. And see, most... And the top six. Most of the... Right. No, the Bills. Uh, Bills and Ravens. Well, oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, top, honorable Bills and mentions, Ravens. From so, honorable yeah. mentions. Yeah, you're right. Uh, most of the most of the lists were almost exclusively NFC teams. It speaks to the lack of belief 
in the AFC overall. All right, so this is what I want you to do. I'm going to tweet out the list now. You can tweet your thoughts uh, at uh, Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. And uh, in a little bit, we're going to take a bunch of calls on it. So you can make your case. We as a group are going to decide if we want to reorder these. Like, well, I, I will give us the power to move one ranking. That That's what this committee now is going to do. Well, our committee here is going to take what we've given because I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, I can uh, I can do whatever I want. It's my show. Uh, Kevin in South Florida, real quick. Kevin, what do you got? Thanks for calling the show. Hey there, Fitz. How are you? I'm great, Listen, man. Listen, there are there's a restaurant down here in South Florida called Seasons Fifty Two, and they they change their menu every three months on purpose. They're called Seasons Fifty Two. So I got to correct you on the last. Wait, thing are you they said. going from like Mexican food to Italian food to like Polish food, or are they just changing their menu? No, they're changing it based on the season. Yeah, but that's they're still the same stuff. Yeah, but they're not going like. Are, you told me they're making like empanadas one week, and then the, the next week they're doing endless breadsticks with like you know Olive Garden pasta. No. Like, that's that's different. No, that's different. No, but they're changing their menu every three months, and they're a quality restaurant. They're down here in South Florida, and they're every time I go there, it's quality. But right. they do change their menu. I'll tell you I this: got to say they. And Kevin, I, I, it every three months. I appreciate you. By the way, uh, you know what? Because it's my show and I get to have the last word. Uh, that's their business plan is to change their menu every three months. They're not going willy nilly with the we started as, you know, dos margaritas. And now all of a sudden we're La Pasta House like that. That's a that's a much different thing. I don't know what I just did. Y'all like hey, this thing. They're looking at me like I've lost my mind. All right. Coming up. Can two things be true at the same time? Plus, I wanted you guys to chime in. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. The Cards, Bucks, Packers, Titans, Rams, Cowboys. That was our committee's top six. You tell me if we got any of them wrong make your case for your team if they're not ranked high enough we'll let you chime in that's all coming up spain and fitz spain and fitz the podcast it fits on espn radio the espn app and sirius xm channel 80 jason fitz flying solo tonight triple eight say espn 888-729-3776 that's how you get in on the fun i just tweeted it out because my thumbs don't work fast enough and frankly we were having a good time shooting the you-know-what in in, in, during the break. So I've just told you what the college football playoff committee-inspired uh, conversation turned into here. We did the NFL playoff committee. 13, uh, 13 buddies chimed in, male and female, different backgrounds, former NFL coach, people that work for ESPN, people that don't work for ESPN, some former players, some analysts, all came together and gave me their top six. I then turned around and I uh, I tabulated the votes. Uh, as, as any any good host would do, I did a lot of math, like uh, just an un, uncanny amount of math. And the final verdict from the committee at number six, Dallas, at number five, the Rams, and then your top four. So if there was a college, if there was an NFL playoff, it would only be these four teams Tennessee at four, Green Bay at three, Tampa Bay at two, Arizona. Arizona at number one. I blew it. I blew it. They're doing a great work. All right, so that gives you your top six. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. I'll uh, I'll give you your chance to to plead your case. Did we miss somebody? Uh, Baltimore and Buffalo were in the others receiving votes column. That was it, by the way, for the others receiving votes column. So if you didn't hear your favorite team mentioned, none of the thirteen gave them even a single vote as a top six team. 
kind of staggering. Also staggering how different many of them were. I've tweeted it out. You guys can get in on that fun. Tweet me. Let me know what you think. You can also call 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. Danielle in Montana. Danielle, thanks for calling the show. I know you want to chime in on the top six. What do you got? I just wanted to congratulate the Cowboys. I figured that they would get come in at maybe four or five, but coming in at six, that's pretty good. I mean, you're not you're not wrong, but I thought it was kind of low, Danielle. You're happy with six? Well, it's better than nothing, the way that I see it. I mean, I'd prefer they be like top three maybe or one, but, I mean, getting in on at six is pretty damn good. Hey, they've, they've came a long way compared to last year. I mean, you're not wrong about that. I like I didn't vote, by the way. I did not give myself a vote. But if you were on the committee, a couple of things you could look at here, all right? You could look at the Cowboys have a win over the Chargers. The Chargers are a respected team. Like, if there was a poll that continued to go down, I think we would have seen the Chargers get some love, some respect out of this. You could also look at the fact that they have a win over the Patriots, a team, although it was an overtime win, a team uh, that has also gotten some love. They've managed to win some games uh, without their starting quarterback being at a full health. So, you know, I think you can look at some of these moments. Their, their loss, one of their losses, is to the Buccaneers in a very close game. At the beginning of the year, look at how much better they are than they were then. See what the committee like goes through? Like, that's the maddening part of the conversation to me is like thinking about all of the different layers of where it's going to go. My buddy Scooby, by the way, says you forgot the Patriots could call on leaving the Raiders out. I didn't have a vote. I didn't have a vote. I didn't vote for him at all. Although I would have put the Raiders. One, one expert, one person that chimed in sent me the answer of, Raiders, 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 Raiders. All six were the Raiders. And he said, that's all you want to see anyway. So I would like to, you know, just point out that I am being ever the professional by allowing this thing uh, to to broaden out. So uh, tweet me, at Jason Fitz. Let me know what you think uh, as we get some more thoughts on what it should be. We've had some uh, some tweets. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy tweeted the real top six at number one, Arizona, number two, Tennessee, number three, Dallas, then the Bucks, then the Packers, then the Rams. See? Uh, and and that that mirrors some of the rankings that I got. Uh, so, you know, you, there are some experts that agree with you. I just don't know that uh, all of them do. That's all I'm saying. Okay, keep them coming at Jason Fitz. And uh, you can also call 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz flying solo. And I, I make a joke about the Raiders because everybody knows my fandom. That being said, uh, everybody, I think, would expect for me to have something to say about John Gruden. And for anyone that hasn't seen it, Uh, John Gruden has filed a lawsuit against the NFL and Roger Goodell, uh, essentially saying that by choosing only his emails to reveal, they were intentionally uh, trying to destroy his character. Jeremy Fowler, uh, ESPN NFL reporter, was on Canty and Golick Jr. earlier and said this about Gruden suing the league. This has a lot of layers to it because you have a scorned coach who uh, obviously was in the wrong with his comments, uh, but, you know, he feels singled out. Um, He might want revenge so to speak and he's probably not getting back in the league regardless um so you know he's sort of he's he's almost your worst enemy if you're the nfl in this case you know so um it's it's gonna have a lot of layers to it and will probably play out over time i I don't really expect like a settlement i don't think john gruden's in it for the money here Uh, i think he's probably trying to find some sort of indication so nfl spokesman brian mccarthy called Gruden's allegations, quote, entirely meritless and said the league will, quote, vigorously defend against these claims. The complaint alleges that the defendant selectively leaked Gruden's private correspondence to the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times in order to harm Gruden's reputation and force him out of his job. So part of this is they want the rest of the 650,000 emails released. 
Now, that's been a widely talked about conversation. So let me address this from a couple of different standpoints. Number one, and very importantly to whatever we're talking about here, John Gruden said what he said. And whether you think he's being taken down for what he said improperly or not, it doesn't change the fact that John Gruden said what he said. Let's not get it twisted. So getting caught saying what you're saying, uh, saying what you said, still has some level of ramification, right? Like there is still some sort of a punishment for that. I, I think that needs to be heard here because I say it frequently when we talk about everything in the world. Why do we argue like we're 12-year-old children? Well, what about him? Like if your kid came in and you said, hey, you, you, your teacher called today, and your kid immediately says, well, I wasn't the only one talking in class. I don't know how kids are raised now, but I still got my butt beat for that. Like, there's a moment of I don't really care what the neighbors are doing. I care what you do. We were all raised under that basic principle, right? At what point did we decide that we're going to argue like we're 12-year-old children now as adults? So understand that both things can be true in this one situation. See, it is possible that John Gruden said everything he said and deserves everything that's happened to him because of it. And at the same time, it's possible that the league selected him specifically and was going after him. And if both things are true, then accountability for everybody involved in it is fine. What I don't think we need to do is get so wrapped up in, well, why isn't everything else being released that we stop talking about what we've seen that has been released? At the end of the day, if you're at a raging party and you're just you're out there doing everything you shouldn't be doing and you're cheating on your wife, At the end of the day, if she catches you, it doesn't matter if all of your friends were there too. What matters is you just got busted doing something you're not supposed to be doing. And at the end of the day, we can ask the league a lot of questions about why they're not releasing more information. Those are fair and reasonable questions to be asked. And the league is going to be forced through this process, I hope, to answer it. But that doesn't mean that John Gruden shouldn't answer for what he already did. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Coming up, we're going to put some money in your pocket for this NFL weekend. We'll do it next with one of my favorites on Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. And as always, we're hanging out with you on the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo tonight. All of our guests appear on the Goodyear Hotline. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. You guys are hitting me up at Jason Fitz, having a lot of conversation out here about the NFL top six that we've done through the NFL playoff committee that I've had everybody vote on. You can get out there, follow me at Jason Fitz. I've tweeted out the list of six, and you guys can let me know. Like, did the committee get it right? Committee get it wrong? Everybody's asking why there's no Raiders on the list. There's no Raiders because I didn't get a vote. I mean, I, I tried to be very fair for once in my life. And I know I'm too, you know, okay, no, I can't even say that with a straight face. We all know that I'm way too biased. You can tune in to a football doubleheader Sunday. The Pats host the Browns, followed by the Panthers at Cardinals. Coverage begins at noon Eastern and on on select ESPN radio stations. Now, if you need help getting it all figured out, you're not the only one. We all need help. And one of my favorite people to get it figured out from is Anita Marks. You can check her out on ESPN Daily Wager. She joins us on the Goodyear Hotline. Anita, you always crush it, by the way, on Daily Wager and everything that you work on. I'm really glad we get to talk because I'm trying to figure out how the hell anybody can figure out what to bet on in an NFL where every Sunday feels like it's completely lopsided and everything I knew is no longer relevant. Well, I'm, I, well first of all, it's a pleasure being on with you. I'm, I'm probably a bigger fan of yours than you are of me. So uh, this is a treat for me on a Friday night. But 
full transparency. I'm always very honest. Um, I am just I, I, like, I am in a deep, deep hole right now after everything that happened <laughs> in week nine. Okay. And then the Miami Dolphins <laughs> beating the Baltimore Ravens last night. I mean, I, you know, I was, I was like, oh, okay, here's week 10. All right. You know, it's going to be great. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to play a two team, six point teaser with the Ravens. I'm going to tease them down to minus one and a half. Oh, for sure. They're going to beat the Dolphins at least by three. No, 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 no. Now I've even, I've even dug myself an even deeper hole. So, uh, so this is a this is a this is a, a, a an important week ten right. in the NFL for a lot of gamblers out there because uh, there there's a lot of people that are in the same boat I am. I, lo- I don't doubt that for don't doubt that for a second. I don't love that you're in a deep hole, but I love that you're real about it. And and like for me as somebody that is you know trying to to gamble more and more and more because I think it's a fun, but b it's a huge part of our industry. Like I, I, I love hearing that because it's you have this moment where you step back and you say, "Oh, all right, we're all human on it." So you know, one team that I never bet on because of my fandom is my beloved Raiders, but they played the Chiefs, and I feel really good about this matchup. Like, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, listen, I'm with you. I like a lot of dogs this week, and the Raiders are one of them. I feel the wrong team is favored here, right? Like Ra- Raiders getting getting two and a half. If you want to buy it up, I'm I'm always into. I like. I like plus three. I like plus. I like plus three and a half. I like minus six and a half. Yeah, you know. So I'm I'm into buying that half a point. To buy a full point, it's a little bit too much juice for me. But you know, the fact that the Raiders are plus two and a half, you want to buy it up to plus three. That's fine. Um, but I really, I truly believe the wrong team is favored here. Derek Carr owns the Kansas City Chiefs. You're a big fan. You know this. His last two games, over 600 passing yards. Six touchdowns. Now he's got Darren Waller back. 11 targets last week against the Giants. I was really shocked. I'm here in New York. I know this Giants team better than most. I'll use the word shocked. I was shocked that the Giants beat them after coming off a very disappointing loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. So, again, oh, and they add Deshaun Jackson. It was a horrible story, as we all know, in regard to what happened with Henry Ruggs. He stretched the field for the Oakland Raiders. So now they bring in Deshaun Jackson to play that role. So I, and, and I've, I've buried the lead here. What the heck is going on with the Kansas city chiefs this year? Their defense is horrendous. I feel everybody has kind of figured out their offense. And, um, and so again, I just, I'm, I'm with you. I think the wrong team is favored here. The Raiders at home. Uh, I'll take the point. We're talking to Anita Marks. You can check her out on ESPN Daily Wager on the Goodyear Hotline, Spain and Fitz. So the Titans-Saints one is interesting to me, too, because I didn't think the Titans would do that to the Rams. And so now I'm sitting here saying, okay, do they even need an offense to win because their defense looks so good? So how do you see that one playing out? Yeah, I don't know what's more surprising, how horrible the Washington football team defense is or how phenomenal the Tennessee Titans defenses. Nobody was really expecting this from Tennessee. That's for sure. Uh, I do like Tennessee this week. Uh, they're favored by three. Um, they've got something special going on, right? And and like and then one one thought like, oh, well, Derrick Henry, now he's on IR. He has foot surgery. Oh, that's it. They're done. And no, that's not the case at all. I mean, like some, somebody needs to test uh, the blood work of Adrian Peterson because I don't think he's human, by the way. Um, so they go out, you know, and, and not to say that anybody can compare to Derrick Henry, but nonetheless, they bring in some talent. They're able to run the football. Uh, Ryan Tannehill 
performs better than I expected because, again, he loses his, his running back. His uh, completion percentage in regard to play action is 10 times better than when not. So I was worried that they wouldn't be able to establish a rushing attack that would play into the play action that he needs to have success. But now on the Saints side, I'm a big Taysom Hill fan, okay? Like, I started the fan club. I'm the president. I'm very disappointed, <laughs> A, that they didn't go with Taysom at the start of the season. They're still not going with him. Everything I'm reading I'm hearing right now is that Simeon is going to get another start. So, and, oh, by the way, Alvin Kamara, he might not play. He's dealing with some injuries as well. So you might have Mark Ingram in that backfield. I just, all, all, for me, all, the, all Tennessee checks all the boxes this week. And so I like them. I'll lay the three points. I like Tennessee a lot. So give me some thoughts on how to handle something like the Seahawks Packers because Russell Wilson coming back, but we haven't seen him yet. So when you're betting a game like that where a quarterback's coming back and we're, we're, you know, we're hearing Rodgers might play, we, we don't know, how do you handle that as a better? So I'm on the Tennessee side. I, I like Tennessee. I like, I like Tennessee, and you're getting three and a half. So the hook is included. Sign me up seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Um, everything that we're hearing out of – Seattle and, and, and him practicing is that he looks great. He's throwing the ball well. He's got a lot of velocity, and I bet he's, he's, he's itching, gearing to go, can't wait to get back in action. I, I wish that we were hearing better news about Chris Carson. Um, still not sure if he's going to play or not. I'm hearing that he's feeling well, but who knows? Seattle might be a little bit more conservative with him because it is a neck injury. But for the Green Bay Packers, I mean, this is the story here, right? And it's Aaron Rodgers. And he's not, he's not even allowed to walk into the facility until, until tomorrow. So everything's been on Zoom. He hasn't been able to practice. I know there's some talk and speculation that they might roll with Jordan Love again. But listen, we saw what time it was with Jordan Love last <laughs> week. Uh-uh. I'm not buying it. I do believe that Aaron Rodgers starts. He's Aaron Rodgers. Some people feel that he's the best quarterback in the NFL. He could play in his sleep. But on top of that, you know, he is feeling the effects of COVID. This isn't an athlete who tested positive and, uh, and, it does, and has no effects. You know what I mean? Like he's stuffy. He's got fever. Um, you know, I don't know if he's lost taste or what, what have you, but he's going through it. So there, there's, there's a lot of negatives in that regard where I'm not anticipating Aaron Rodgers to be 100% Aaron Rodgers. But can an 80% Aaron Rodgers beat the Seattle Seahawks? I just I think it's going to be a close game, and so that's why I like the hook. I'd play it only with the hook, Seattle plus 3.5. You guys can follow her on Twitter, at Anita Marks. Check out Daily Wager, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. Anita, you're the best. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. <laughs> Anytime, man. Anytime. Uh, you have a great weekend, and good luck to you and everybody else this week. Please know, a lot of us are in the same boat, and we need we need a big week ten to get out of it. No, oh, we're all gonna get it. Thanks, Anita. I appreciate it. It makes <laughs> me feel it. better. Have, I'm tell- have a great weekend. Bye. I'm, I'm telling y'all, like it makes me feel better when you hear that the pros are also having that sort of a drought because it's it feels like a lot of Sundays. You know, we're all sitting there saying, man. How are we getting this so wrong? And Saturdays hasn't been much easier. All right. I want you guys to chime in. We've given you the playoff committee. We'll let you chime in on what you think at 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. And as much as we're talking about the playoff committee, in the same sense, when we get into Sunday, there's a couple of games that could change the way we think about several NFL teams. We'll talk about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast.
And if it's on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Jason Fitz flying solo. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. A lot of Taylor Swift in Hour 2. See, we went from Bruno Mars in Hour 1 because Silk Sonic released some new music at midnight. And then we all know that Taylor Swift released some uh, not new music, but new versions of old music. Today has everybody all up in their field. So we're giving a little Swifty action as we get into Hour 2 of Spain and Fitz. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Insurance is proud to support veterans with an annual Keys to Progress vehicle giveaway program. Now celebrating nine years of donating vehicles, helping veterans in need. Learn more at keystoprogress.com. We're going to get your thoughts on the college football playoff committee. Uh, but first, Orlando in Georgia calling the show. Thanks for hanging out with me. Orlando, what do you got? What can I, what can I help you Wait. with, my friend? Okay, good evening. Um, I hate Dallas Cowboys. I'm from South Philly. Hopefully the Burrs be a uh, tough team in December, not a cupcake. But, uh, Mr. J, I just was wondering how did they determine – who gets the extra home game at the end of the season? Because there's 17 games, right? So somebody's going to get extra home game. Yeah, so next to the call, Orlando, it's a rotating basis. So if you got an extra home game this year, so for example, the game that was added for the Raiders schedule was Raiders-Bears. So the way they did that is the AFC West, every team in the AFC West, added a team from the NFC North this year that, that finished in the same corresponding position. So the three seed would play the three seed, for example. The way they did that is if you got a home game this year like the Raiders did, next year the Raiders will have to be on the road for that. So every other year you'll have one less, and every other year you'll have one more. So that's just the easiest way to, to explain how they did what they did to come up with it. So, uh, And by the way, you can. this is like the fun fact I like to tell everybody with the NFL schedule. If you go out and just Google whatever your favorite team is, Raiders schedule 2023 they already know all but three games just so you know like 14 of the 17 games are already determined they even know which ones are going to be home and away they don't know the dates they just know who's on your schedule in advance so all they did was add an extra layer to that Spain and Fitz Sarah Spain Jason Fitz not usually Sarah Sarah's often that I'm just used to saying that I'm flying solo and just running this thing into the ground the NFL playoff committee I asked 13 friends uh, former coach that doesn't work here. Important to note that because I like to make sure that people know I went outside the halls. In fact, one analyst that doesn't work here chimed in. Uh, some some of my favorite analysts that work on things like NFL Live, some of the radio people, uh, some of the people I love that break down a ton of film, I asked them to give me their rankings of the top six teams in the NFL using the same metrics as the college football playoff. And the whole point of the exercise, two sides to it, I wanted to see how everybody valued certain teams. I also wanted people to understand how difficult it is to go through the college football playoff uh, committee process. So it's the NFL playoff committee. That's how we've teamed it. Now, uh, termed it, I should say, the top six teams uh, we gave you earlier. And uh, number one is Arizona. Number two is Tampa Bay. Well, that, that shouldn't surprise anybody. Number three is the Packers. And number four are the Titans. Just outside of that would be the Rams. And then at six would be Dallas. So if we were doing the playoffs, neither of them would make it. Now, I asked earlier, Cam, what he thought. Chris, what did you think? Like, what are your thoughts on the rankings? Are you good with all of these teams being where they are? I think so. You know, it's it's hard to really argue because there is so much chaos in the NFL. Every week, right? I mean, the Buffalo Bills lost to the Jaguars this past week. The Tennessee Titans have a loss to the New York Jets, but they just beat the Rams head-to-head. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost inconceivable, right? The, the idea here is that the top four teams make it, right? Can you imagine if the Rams did not get a chance to compete for a Super Bowl with how much they've done? With how much they've added to that roster and they don't get a chance to compete for the Super Bowl? I mean, that, but that's part of what makes all of this really difficult. Like, the Titans were left off completely 
of more than one ballot. And one of the people I asked about it, it's a, a college football, works a lot in college football for us. I asked, why did you leave the Titans off? The answer was, it, using the college football playoff metrics, bad loss to the Jets. You can't really get past that. Like that's, that's the equivalent of losing to one of the worst teams in college football, right? You lost to one of the worst. And also a blowout loss to the Cardinals. And one of the Ten Commandments of the college football playoff is, thou shalt not get blown out. You get blown out, you never make the college football playoff. So I think it's part of the interesting metric of it when you start to look at, at trying to leave some of these teams out. Like, if you're talking about the Rams and you're talking about the Titans, then obviously this is like Michigan, Michigan State, right? We just had a head-to-head. The Titans have to be ahead of the Rams. So now all of a sudden you're trying to figure out the juxtaposition of where to put players through that process. So I, I think it's a more difficult process than a lot of people want to give it credit for. I should note, I did not give it a vote. I, I did not vote at all. Uh, I think I don't have a hard time with most of the votes the way they're playing. I do have the difficult part of the conversation that we have constantly about quality wins, quality losses, strength of record, strength of schedule, all of this stuff. Now, some of it is going to start to figure it itself out this weekend. There are a couple, if we were on the committee, there are a couple significant uh, games this weekend. Cleveland is going to New England. That just feels like it's a significant game for however we're viewing the Browns, right? Let me let me be really clear about Baker Mayfield because Odell Beckham Jr. not being part of the Browns has become part of the reason people now say the Browns are better. Okay, if your starting quarterback is so emotionally soft that he can't continue to run his offense because he's worried about hurting the feelings of his close friend, I have a question about the quarterback. I mean, Baker Mayfield is somebody that I think is pretty good. And that's like the worst thing you can say about a quarterback. He's pretty good. I, I'm the first to admit, I think, you know, Derek Carr is pretty good. When Derek Carr's having a great day, he's great. When he's not, he's not. He's pretty good. Baker Mayfield's pretty good. But if we want to say that Baker can't Baker can't run the Browns offense with Odell Beckham there because it's too much of a, 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 a distraction, you think Brady's getting distracted by what his wide receivers want? I don't. You think Peyton never cared about that? I don't. I mean, at the end of the day, I got to believe that my quarterback can stand up and simply do what he needs to do. So I think there's a real statement here for Cleveland taking on New England. That's the sort of game the committee would be watching. It's a little like Texas A&M this weekend taking on Ole Miss. It's in that same sort of ballpark. I'll give you that that sort of range for it. You know, that, that, that there's opportunity. Seattle taking on Green Bay. I mean, the committee would speak about that, right? Russell Wilson's coming back. I mean, do they do they have Aaron Rodgers? Do they not have Aaron Rodgers? Kevin in Seattle, you're fired up about this one. Uh, what are your thoughts on the committee and how they ruled uh, on this? The, the committee for your NFL playoffs clearly has the same priorities as the college football one because head-to-head just doesn't matter. I mean, I look at the Arizona-Green Bay Thursday night game from a couple of weeks ago. Green Bay beat them on the, with their practice squad. That was a huge play from... Razul Douglas, who was quite literally on the practice squad. And you can't tell me overall that Arizona has a more complete team with the question marks at offensive line, the question marks in the second level, uh, in the front seven. I mean, they've got a good pass rush, but it's depleting because of injuries. You can't tell me that this team's going to sustain the regular season run they've had this year. Looks a lot like it could go how it was last year, depending on Kyler's health. But Green Bay still hasn't had their best three players play on defense together this year and Zadarius Smith, Kenny Clark, and Jair Alexander. And they just darn near shut out the Chiefs again with the practice squad defense. Like Green Bay might not even be the third best team on here, but putting Arizona at one over over 
Green Bay and Tampa, that's egregious. Uh, thanks for the call, man. I love it. That's that's why we're getting all heated up for it. And your logic isn't wrong. I mean, I would say that the committee's probably looking at the dreaded eye test, right? Like the Packers, uh, you know, needed everything to beat the Bengals in a wild game that we all remember had a bunch of missed kicks. Uh, they barely beat a bad 49ers team. I know there still wins, but these are things that they look at. And you're absolutely right about the win over the Cardinals. So I think that's interesting. College football is heating up. Tune in tomorrow night. Virginia host Notre Dame. Huge one. Presented by Dr. Pepper. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I'm looking here, and I think every single person, nobody had the the the, the, the rant, or the Packers, I should say, Higher than two in this, and everybody had the Cardinals ahead of them. I'll ask the committee. Coming up, the man we'll talk to next on the brink of figuring out the AFC. And frankly, so are we. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. This song is not about Sarah and I. We'll be back together on Monday. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. The ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm not sure I, I understand why I have to tell you what network you're listening to it on all the time because pretty sure you can look at your car and figure that out. Either way, all of our guests appear on the Goodyear hotline. I'm just saucy tonight. Uh, look, at the end of the day, there's one person I did not yet hit up to be on my committee, and I want to I want to be very transparent about this because he might be one of my favorite minds that we have at ESPN. But I had to be selective about the 13 names because I know I'm going to do this again. So I decided when I was putting together my list of 13 people for my NFL playoff committee that I couldn't have all 13 people be analytics, all 13 people be analysts, all 13 people be hosts, all 13 people be players. I needed to have diversity in roles so that we could understand uh, different perspective going into it. So this is a little bit of a teaser of what I expect from the next committee because I will be hitting him up for the next time. Uh, we're going to head to the Goodyear Hotline where we are joined by Bill Barnwell. The Bill Barnwell Show podcast uh, is one you should check out wherever you, get your, wherever you get your podcast, joining us on the Goodyear Hotline. So, Bill, this was the exercise. I went to 13 people today, a former coach, former players, analysts, everybody. And I said, using the same metrics and the same conversation as the college football playoff committee. So you can give me, you know, strength of schedule. You can give me bad losses, the eye test, whatever it is that matters to you. Give me your top four teams in the NFL. Now I let everybody give me six so that I had a little bit of buffer here in case I didn't get a consistent four, which turned out to be a good thing. I know I'm hitting you off the top of the head with this, but any thoughts on who your top four would be? Ooh, okay. Okay. By the way, I appreciate that I was like fifteenth or sixteenth on the depth chart. Nope, nope. When it you came were, to the you committee, were, you were number two on the depth chart for a particular role that I needed. But number <laughs> one chimed right back. So you know, I'm, I'm keeping anonymity <laughs> here, but but you know, I had there's a certain person with a very adorable dog that I knew I wanted, and once that very adorable dog chimed in, I didn't want both of you to be on because you might have similar mindsets. That's all I have to say. We do. I, I appreciate that. Uh, and anyone I could be second to, uh, it would be a person who has an adorable dog. Um, let's start with the simple one. I think the Packers are the first team that comes to mind. Because even in their losses, just that one blowout loss in week one, but even like, or earlier in the year, but like the loss they had with Jordan Love, they were almost kind of impressive in that loss because they kept it so close. They were so good on defense throughout that entire game that they almost kept it you know, close long enough for Jordan Love to steal it once they kind of figured out what to do on offense in that game. And, of course, getting Aaron Rodgers back presumably this week, I think they're the easy uh, first selection for me. And then I think the Bucks are number two. I think they've been the most dominant team in the league from a week-to-week basis. 
I know, of course, they've had a couple of hiccups here and there. They had the, uh, they've had an ugly loss or two. Um, but I think the Bucks are number two for me. And then I think, I think it gets a little bit tougher from there. I think I would go Rams three. And I mean, adding the players they've added over the past week help. But um, of course, coming off a loss and not really even a close loss to Tennessee, that feels tough. And, and oh boy, like, like I, I can't pick a top four and not have Tennessee on it, given how they played over the last month. But you mentioned, go to the metrics, go to what you think, and you know a big numbers guy. Like, Tennessee is good by the numbers, but they're like the 10th or 11th best team in the league by the numbers. And, and to me, I think, I look at their resume, the teams they've beaten, beating Buffalo, beating the Rams in Los Angeles. To me, they've done enough to be the four. But I think if you were going to make a numbers case, you can make a case for them to not be in the top four at all, and I think that would rightly infuriate Tennessee Titans fans. Would you? Uh, you have left Arizona off, so I'm just going to make sure that you're aware that you've left Arizona off. I, I'm not as high on Arizona as other people. I know, granted, yes, they did just win with Colt McCoy as their starting quarterback. They beat the 49ers, blew out really the 49ers without DeAndre Hopkins. I think there's a lot to like about the Cardinals. But I, I think if it came down to it tomorrow and I had to pick between Tennessee and Arizona or uh, the Packers and Arizona, and I know, granted, Arizona did beat Tennessee earlier this year, but I think on a neutral field, I think given what we've seen from Tennessee as they've sort of grown into this roster, I think I would still pick Tennessee as the four. I think I'd go Arizona five. Oh, see, this is why I love this entire process and exercise. You know, this is my open shilling to to make this a show on ESPN. I want everybody to have these <laughs> debates, and, and because I'm just telling you, there were there were multiple people that had the Titans at two, and multiple people that didn't have the Titans on their list at all of six. So you know, we're very divisive on where everybody falls into. And Bill, you said this was your tweet. I'm one Titans loss away from giving up on trying to understand the AFC. <laughs> you and me both, man. Like, so is it that the AFC has a ton of parody or that it's actually like in a good way or parody in that none of them are really that good oh i don't i think it's mostly the latter <laughs> like like I, I think it's so tough to find a team in the afc that is consistently good on both sides of the football i think buffalo a team that i did not put in my top four comes to mind as maybe the best example but hey look they just scored six points against the Arizona, against the jacksonville jaguar mm. i mean they, they really struggled to protect Josh Allen in that game, and they've had some other struggles on offense here and there as well. They're kind of seeing the same sort of, you know, uh, uh, prevent coverage shells that the Chiefs are seeing, and they have to find their answer to that before I feel more confident that they can be good on both sides of the football. The Ravens couldn't move the ball yesterday against the Dolphins. The Chiefs, we know their offense has been a bit of a mess, and their defense has been pretty bad until the past couple of weeks. And the Raiders have been inconsistent. I don't want to dwell on that too much. The Chargers have been inconsistent on offense. They finally got going last week. Like, like you know, all, all these teams that come up, it's like, okay, well, they're good. Like, I, I could see them all being playoff teams, but none of them stand out right now. And to me, I think I'm still waiting to see that team outside of maybe Tennessee that can consistently put together above average to really good performances on both sides of the football. It feels like I keep hearing the narrative that explosive offenses are being shut down this year by a too high safety look with defensive mm-hmm. linemen that can quickly get after the quarterback. And if you can do that, you can limit the success to field goals. You're going to give up a bunch of yards, but you're not going to give up a bunch of points and you're going to win football games. Two-part two mm-hmm. question. 
Are you buying the narrative? And if so, how do offensive coordinators adjust this year? I think you're buying a little bit. You know, I do think that you can make it work for you in terms of like you're going to force a team like the Chiefs, who we know can be super explosive, to work the ball down the field and have to get six or seven first downs. So they can do that. I think they're like one of the best teams in the last 20 years this year in terms of converting first downs into new first downs because teams have been happy to give them eight, nine yards on the ground or through the short passing game and then sort of taking their risk with, okay, the Chiefs are either going to turn the ball over or we're going to force them to kick a field goal in the red zone or they're going to get sloppy and go forward and fourth down and fail or they're going to punt. Like someone's going to screw up and we're going to get a sack. And people have tried that against the Chiefs before. The the Texans tried it last year in week one. The Bills tried it earlier last year uh, in their regular season game against the Chiefs. And it didn't really work because the Chiefs ran the ball effectively. And I think that's the other part of your question is like, what can offensive coordinators do? It's, well, you do the stuff that the opposing defense is giving you. You run the ball against against light boxes. And I think the Chiefs have done that in the past. And other teams have done that in the past successfully to get teams out of those two high shells. You can throw short passes, get the ball out quick, avoid the defensive linemen, uh, eliminate that rush. You can go with no huddle, keep the same guys on the field and try and get those uh, defensive linemen tired out as the game goes on. Like there's all these little things you can do. It might not add up to what you had previously, but I think it's easier to do that stuff than hit all those big plays. And I think, you know, we're going to see offenses as the year goes on sort of get back to what they were doing in years past. Say, okay, if you're not going to give us those big plays, we are going to run the ball effectively. We're going to dare you to match up with that. Your offense is never going to get on the field. And yeah, you might hold us to a field goal once or twice, but if we don't turn the ball over three or four times a game, we're going to be really dominant on offense and we're going to score a good amount of points. Bill, quickly before we let you go, you mentioned going forward on fourth down. Have we gone in your mind too far towards the side of the analytic process and just become all willy-nilly with fourth down in the league? Never, never. You know how much (laughs) I love the numbers. We aren't even close yet. I I, I will say the Cowboys last week, that was like the worst-case scenario. Like everything went wrong for the Cowboys on fourth down last week. But I think overall, it's been more positive than a negative for teams so far this year. You can follow him on Twitter at Bill Barnwell. Be sure to check out the Bill Barnwell Show podcast. You can get that wherever you get your podcast. As always, I appreciate your expertise. And uh, uh, when I hit you to be part of the committee, just uh, give me your top six uh, timely. All right. And feel free to throw the Raiders in. Nobody, only one person gave me a sympathy Raiders vote, Bill. <laughs> well, is that person related to you? No, not related to me. Uh, that well, There was one person that gave me the Raiders six times and said, this is really the only ranking you want, right? That's the closest I got to getting him <laughs> in the six. I don't know what's happening. Bill, appreciate your time, my friend. Have a great weekend. Thanks, buddy. Don't forget to tune into the That's What She Said podcast, hosted by our very own Sarah Spain, because it's awesome and it's fueled by Gatorade. We appreciate their continued support of women's sports journalists and athletes here at ESPN and everywhere. Whatever path takes you to greatness, Gatorade's proven formula is there to fuel it. Gatorade starts with G. Coming up, there's one matchup that matters more than any other to the future of college football for this season. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo. It's time for some Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The committee has told Cincinnati and the Bearcats exactly what to do. Gary Barter, the committee head, was on Rankings Reaction with me, Mike Golick Jr., and Christine Williamson a couple of weeks ago. By the way, you should check that out right after the rankings. Every uh, every week we do that show on Tuesday nights, so 8 o'clock Tuesday uh, on the ESPN app, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all of those places you can watch the show and hang out with us. Gary Barter said at the time when I asked him about Cincinnati, he said, hey, we watched the last few weeks. 
They didn't look good. They didn't beat the teams handily that they're supposed to beat. You may not like that. But for once, the conversation is not about that. This this is the, the thing that always confuses me. Sometimes we need to look at life a little bit more in a, this is what I've been told, so this is what I will do sense. Like we've become such a contrarian society in general that basically most of the time now it feels like somebody could walk in and say, the sky's blue. And 99 out of 100 people in the room are going to say, well, actually, it's kind of gray and there are some clouds. We want to argue with everything. Now, you may not like the committee's stance on Cincinnati in college football. I don't really care. Like, you not liking it's not going to change anything. At the end of the day, the committee chair came out and said, we have put Cincinnati where we have put them because they haven't won in dominating fashion against bad teams, and we need to see them do that. So he came out and very clearly said, if you want to get to the end of this choose-your-own-adventure book, now is the time to flip to page 72. There's no question about it. Like, he told you exactly what to do. So what did Cincinnati do? Well, last week, they came out and struggled against the Tulsa team, where, frankly, it took a a fumble at the goal line that I had to look at 15 times to figure out where the ball went out of the runner's hand. And, frankly, it was an eight-point game, so maybe the two-point conversion wouldn't have gone in. But beating Tulsa, you know, by eight points or six points had that touchdown counted, that's not enough. You were told specifically to turn to page 72, and instead you went to 38. And now you're wondering why the committee's not giving you what you want. Now, tonight, they're taking on South Florida. South Florida, breaking news, not good. Two and seven this year. I'm not sure they're as good as their record at two and seven. But at this point, Cincinnati has scored at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They're now up by 17. This was a 10-point game at the start of the fourth quarter, though. And remember, game control is a metric. This is always one of the funny things. I guess now they say it's not a metric because they don't want you to be convinced that margin of victory matters. But they go back and they talk about the way the game played out. For example, Indiana against Cincinnati was a much different game before they lost one of their best players on the defensive side of the ball to a targeting call. Once that happened, the entire tone of the game changed. As a result, Cincinnati won, but they didn't get a ton of credit because of the way the game actually played out. It looks like Cincinnati has scored another touchdown. This will now go into blowout territory. They'll now be up 45-21 pending the extra point in the review of the touchdown. So now you're talking about a huge win. 10-point game coming into the fourth quarter, though. I mean, that's that's the difficult part of the entire Cincinnati question, is that the committee came out very clearly and said, do this. And anything short of doing exactly that, when you're being scrutinized? Because let's face it, Cincinnati's being scrutinized. Like, everybody's watching every second of this much differently because now we're trying to figure out whether it supports or doesn't support the argument of their involvement in the college football playoff. That's some straight talk. Straight talk, wireless, no contact, no compromise. Now, there's a massive game this weekend for the future of the college uh, football playoff for this year. Massive. And to me, you know, at at the end of the day, when you start talking about Baylor, Oklahoma, I'm going to hold Oklahoma to the same. Like, I love that we're all just outraged that Cincinnati's only sitting at five when they're undefeated. Yet they're ahead of Oklahoma. Nobody's complaining about that. Oklahoma also undefeated. I think part of the reason nobody's complaining is there's this belief that Oklahoma, if they finish undefeated, is going to find their way in the college football playoff, and it will, air quotes, work itself out. I love the concept of it'll work itself out. Like, in general, that feels like when you don't fix anything in your house, you're like, ah, 
It'll work itself out. The problem is it always does. Like college football always sorts of, sort of finds a way to work itself out. So I, I don't know that I necessarily fault the logic behind it because eventually it seems to be fine. But this is not an easy matchup. Baylor's defense given up just under 22 points a game. They've been much stingier than they're getting credit for being. In fact, against the spread as an underdog in their last 16 games, Baylor's 11-4-1. Think about that. Baylor covers when they're underdogs. They're an underdog in this game by like three, three and a half last time I looked. So they're a small underdog in this game. They cover and they play good defense. Now, they're at home in an environment that is tougher to win in than people think. I was out at the Baylor Stadium a couple of years ago with game day. It's small but mighty. All right, Oklahoma's going to come in with an offense that we want to say one week, it's back, and the next week we say, it's not back. It's fixed. Caleb Williams is going to make everything great. Or, I mean, it's fixed. We just need this miracle play. I'm going to be real with y'all. I was sitting in a conference room on Saturday watching uh, a couple of weeks ago, watching that Kansas game. Caleb Williams sees his player stopped on a fourth and goal or fourth and one that was going to give the ball back to Kansas. He rips the ball out of his hands and he runs forward with it. You've seen the play by now if you watch any college football. I immediately text every person I could in this building and asked, is that legal? Every single text I got back, hell if I know. I don't know. Never seen anything like it. It took a never seen anything like it play for Oklahoma to beat Kansas. Kansas, breaking news, is bad. So you're tell, you're, you're talking about like an Oklahoma team that because we're just convinced Lincoln Riley basically is Aladdin and is always on a magic carpet, he's going to figure it out. Well, he doesn't have a Princess Jasmine to ride in the carpet with. He doesn't have a Baker Mayfield. I love that I just made the, the – you can tell it's Disney Plus Day, guys. Two-year anniversary of Disney Plus. Go, uh, go get you a little bit of Aladdin love. A whole new world. Don't you dare close your eyes. All right, Lincoln Riley, we're giving him all of that sort of love. All of that, I don't know what I'm doing. We're giving him all sorts of uh, benefit of the doubt, a phrase I use a lot in college football. I'm not sure Oklahoma deserves it. Oklahoma and that Kansas game particularly is the sour apple, apple Skittle. You've heard me talk about this before. Skittles used to be perfect in the movie theater. It could be dark. You'd drop your hand in the Skittles, and you knew that they were all going to be wonderful because they were all sweet and they matched. But one of those Skittles was lime green. Lime, right? Well, they replaced lime a few years ago with sour apple. Now what happens in the movie theater? Now, recently, about a month ago, they finally came back to their senses. After years of sour apple, they replaced it with lime. Why? Because you don't want to reach into the bag in a dark theater. You're having a great day. You reach in. You you think, all right, I'm going to get me some Skittles. And one of them is sour and gross and disgusting. That's what that green Skittle was. That's what the Kansas game is. Stuck in my head. It's a gross, sour apple Skittle. You can't get the taste of it out of your mouth. You try and you try, but it's stuck there. All right. At the end of the day, the opportunity to replace the sour apple Skittle comes this weekend because the committee has clearly left room. Baylor loses to TCU, an unranked TCU, and falls one spot in the rankings. That's the committee saying, Oklahoma, go out there and earn it. That's the committee saying, Oklahoma, we're going to leave you that runway. And that's the reason we're all presuming Oklahoma gets it figured out. I don't think they do. I don't think Oklahoma is as good as everybody wants them to be. And as desperate as we are to find a way to cram them into the college football playoff, I don't think they're headed there. Because I think Baylor can win this game. By the way, Cincinnati just got stopped on fourth and goal. So that was reversed. And we're back to a 17-point game, 38-21 after review. Cincinnati up 38-21. to And a game where they need to make a statement. Because every single game they need to make a statement 
College football this weekend is going to give us a few opportunities for statements. The question is, will Oklahoma make a statement that helps them leapfrog Cincinnati? Because if they beat Baylor, I believe they will. Or do they lose? And does the chaos that we've become accustomed to every single Saturday and Sunday continue? We'll get an answer this weekend. By the way, Raiders going to kill the Chiefs. I just thought I'd tell everybody that. Coming up, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, the entire Raiders team is going to join them. You've been listening to Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Have a great weekend, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.